my friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. Our music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. John McLaughlin. Make sure you grab a copy of his new album, Angst and Grace. As many of you know, I spend my time on three main things, not counting Instagram stories. <laughs> I write books, I do the podcast, and I travel and speak at conferences, events, and churches. And for the last few summers, I have gotten to be a part of what is going on at Windshape Camps. I've been a camp speaker and a special guest at one of their events, and I just absolutely love what they're doing. And Windshape Camps is a part of the bigger Chick-fil-A family. And speaking of the Chick-fil-A family, one of the directors of Windshake Camps is also the daughter of the founder of Chick-fil-A, Trudy Kathy White. And I have gotten to know Trudy over the last five, six years and just absolutely love her. She's one of the women I honor and respect the most on the planet. I just think so highly of her. I love seeing women in the generation above me running hard after Jesus, running hard after their calling, and just keeping on, keeping on. And it is amazing to watch her do that. Her new book, Climb Every Mountain, just released in February. It's just a beautiful story of finding God faithful in the journey of life. And I think you're going to love this conversation with author Trudy Kathy White. Hi, Trudy. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, Annie, it's great to be with you for oh sure. Gosh, I just love it. You're just one of my very favorites. So I feel so lucky that getting to talk to you today. Uh, well, it's a, it's a joy to reconnect. We don't get to do this very often. So thanks again for letting me be on the podcast with you. Gracious, my pleasure. Tell me where you are right now. Are you in Rome? Where do you live most of the year? Well, I'm in Atlanta. I, I okay. live just south of Atlanta. I've been at the Chick-fil-A Support Center earlier today and I'm actually calling in from my house. Okay. So Trudy, tell me, like, describe your current job at Chick-fil-A corporate. <laughs> well, my title is ambassador. I've kind of given that role to myself. Yes. I feel like I, I, I represent the Lord everywhere I go. I certainly represent Chick-fil-A and, uh, and of course, the, the extended Kathy family and whatever I do. So the, the whole idea with, with our business is to try to make sure that we are glorifying God and what we're doing, that we're stewarding well what he's entrusted to us, and that we're having a positive influence on people. So it doesn't quite sound like a chicken restaurant, but that's who we are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so speaking of family, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but your nephew, Andrew, Kathy, who works at Chick-fil-A, what? do you know he and I were neighbors in college? I had no idea, really. Have we talked about that? We were next-door neighbors. Yeah, we were buddies back, gosh, 20 years ago now. Okay. But I always, I keep up with him on through, you know, Chick-fil-A friends and everything, but sure. it's just amazing that... And I remember there was a Chick-fil-A in Athens that he was like, it's, one of us had a bad experience and he he went and took care of it the next day, Trudy. <laughs> it was awesome. What's his role now? He's a great guy. He's got a little bit of everything going on. Yeah, uh, he, he serves on our executive team and oversees our people's department. So uh, Andrew's a, a fine fellow. We're so grateful to have him not only in the family, but also in the business. Yeah, I love it too. Tell me a little bit about growing up with Chick-fil-A. I mean, you couldn't have ever imagined it would look like this, right? No, you know, and that's the question a lot of people ask us. Let me just say growing up, really, in our family, I, I would say it was fun. My parents were great parents. They they loved each other and they loved the Lord. So that's a great setting for a family environment, of course. We ate a lot of our meals together. We prayed together as a family. We played together a lot. 
we were active in church uh, together. We all wanted to be at church and go together. What did playing together look like? I'm interested in that. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. We uh, we grew up in the country. I don't know. For some reason, my dad decided we didn't need to be in the city. So uh, years and years ago, he purchased a piece of property south of Atlanta. And actually, it's where my husband, John, and I live today. Oh, wow. And, and I grew up here ever since I was two years old. It's My parents lived in the same house for 56 years, if you can oh, imagine. And playing for us growing up, we didn't have any neighbors. So it was just the three of us. I have two older brothers. And playing for us was climbing pine trees, uh, riding our Shetland ponies, uh, making hikes down toward the Swamp River and and hanging out together. So that, that was what a lot of playing in our younger days looked yeah. like. We had a lot of, we had a lot of animals. Uh, we had everything you could name chickens. We had uh, cows. We had pigs. We had horses. We had ducks. We even had a monkey, if you can imagine. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, so. my gosh. You had a monkey in your, like, on your property. On our property. Oh, my yeah, we, gosh. We had, a little, we had a, actually a big cage for a little bitty as a squirrel monkey. We called her <laughs> Pee-wee. And... <laughs> How in the world did y'all get a monkey, Trudy? You know, I have no idea how we acquired that monkey. I, I, that's something I need to need to find out. But but we had a parrot as well, and the parrot was in our house uh, growing up. She was a part of our life for forty something years. This parrot. Oh my gosh! And she learned how to say mm-hmm, Chick Fil A. No. Yes, oh my did. gosh! <laughs> that is brilliant. And we gave her a great name. You know what we named our parrot? We named her Polly. Oh, there. Well, there you go. Of course. Very creative. <laughs> Holly the parrot. <laughs> I love it. When did your dad start Chick-fil-A? Like how were you alive already or did it happen in your childhood? So happened in my childhood. My dad went into restaurant business before I came along. 1946, he opened up his very first restaurant and got married two years later. And then it wasn't it was really almost 20 years before he actually invented Chick-fil-A. So when children came on the scene, I my earliest uh, memories of being connected with dad in the restaurant business was probably when I was four. We were four, five, and six. We used to go and sing for the customers in the restaurant, if you no can imagine. Way. Yes, oh my, my mom, my, my mom dressed us up in these little costumes and they would prop us up on a table and we would sing for the customers. That was our earliest job. We didn't get paid. Uh, I don't even think we took tips yeah. back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll fast forward really quickly. 1964 is when Dad invented Chick-fil-A. And three years later, the very first mall opened in Atlanta, Greenbrier Mall. Sure. And it was a big deal that we were going to be able to serve uh, Chick-fil-A in the mall because my dad worked really hard with the mall developers. And when he went to him and talked to him, he said, I want to open a little restaurant. I want to sell a sandwich. And they said, there is no way we're going to serve food in a shopping mall. If you can imagine that right. was uh, that is crazy because now food courts are like I know. Like, I mean, our mall here doesn't have one, and it's frustrating. Yeah, you can imagine a yeah. mall without a really. So, right. But back in those days, you know, that was kind of a foreign concept to think about selling food in a mall. But my dad told him, you know, people come to your mall and shop with you. They get hungry. If they have to get in the car and leave, they're not likely to come back, and they'll stay around if you serve food to them. So he convinced them to let him open uh, and sell his sandwich at this mall, and I remember it vividly. Uh, I remember the dress my mom bought me and I had to go there for the day and I got to hand out balloons to all the customers. But it was a big day for me because I didn't have to go to school. That's why it was big. Right, (laughs) right. You're like, I get to miss the whole day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, we had no idea that, of course, the business would would, uh, take off like it did. It's been, uh, we've we've tried to grow on purpose, very slow and cautiously and carefully, you know, but we could have never imagined, I don't think my dad ever imagined uh, that the business would be 
what it is today. But, you know, a big part of our being in business has been developing our own corporate purpose, which didn't come till about 20 years into uh, the business that we thought, why in the world are we really in business? Yeah. And it's kind of like all of us in life, you know, at some point we, we kind of stop and say, why am I really here? Yes, yes. <laughs> what's going on? You yeah. know, what's my purpose? And, and so we asked that in Chick-fil-A. And so we, we walked away with a real clear reason that we were in business. We weren't trying to be the best. I mean, we, we weren't trying to grow the, grow the fastest. We weren't trying to make the most money. We wanted to be really good, yeah. but we nailed it down that we really wanted to be in business to glorify God by being a faithful steward of what's entrusted to us and have a positive influence on other people. So that really is the essence of what we've been trying to do over these years. And the Lord has honored it, blessed it, and grown it. And it's so encouraging to think that y'all didn't do that until 20 years in. Yeah. Because I think so many of our friends who are listening are either starting businesses or dreaming of a business and going like, well, then before I start, I better know exactly what our purpose is here. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, it took us 20 years before we were really doing that. Yeah. And you know what drove us to that was really, if you know uh, history back in 1980s, early 80s, the you know, economy was in recession. It was really difficult to be in business at that, mm-hmm. that time. And for us, our competitors were introducing chicken sandwiches, and so the prices of chicken was really, you know, going through the roof. And it, it was just a challenging time to be in business. And a lot of times, I think that's what drives us to try to stop and question, "Why am I really here?" It's sometimes those challenging situations mm-hmm. that cause us to kind of push pause for a minute and say, "Let me, let me do some reflection. Let me do some thinking here yeah. about this going forward." So it, it really pushed us to to get real clarity on our on our purpose, which when we get clarity on our purpose, we kind of get clarity on our priorities. And that's really helped us through the years. When you think about like our friends who are listening that are starting families or have recently started a family, did did y'all do that as families too? Like, did you and your husband kind of come up with a purpose? How, How do you see that translating into your family life? Through the years, I think what we focused a little bit more on individually, we have our purpose, but we focused a lot on values. Mm -hmm. What are the things that really matter to us. I think when we were, particularly when children came along, uh, John and I realized that we had to understand what was important to us. uh, What do we value in life? Where were we going to invest our time? And I found that's been really important as in terms of parenting for mom and dad to have real good, good clarity on that. We, We really had had five values that were important to us for John and myself. Our faith was number one. I'd almost say these are in the right order, even. Uh, faith was important to us because that really became the factor for our decision-making. It was the filter that yeah. guided our decision-making going forward. Family was of value to us. So we've invested a lot of time uh, into our children and now into our grandchildren. But that's priority for us. The next, I would say, be integrity, just how we live out our life. We wanted to recognize the fact that character and who we are and what people say about us is really important, that reputation. And then the last two for us were values were gratitude, just being thankful for what we have and trying to teach our children to be thankful Mm -hmm. and also to be generous, to learn the importance of being generous with whatever you have, not not just maybe things, Mm -hmm. but just generous with your time, uh, generous in your words. So those are values that have been really important. I actually just did this for myself, Trudy. Like last week I sat down and went like, because I was asking the Lord, about some direction on some areas in my career. And I felt like the Lord was like, I'm not going to give you direction, but I am going to tell you who you want to be. Right? Almost like here are the values and that will tell you how to make the decisions. And one of them that I really feel like I gained from y'all and from my own parents and watching my parents is, is thinking about being generous. It just feels like that's like, 
my experience with wind-shaped camps and with the Chick-fil-A's I've been to and with knowing you as a person is that is kind of just a center thing is just be generous. Yeah, it, it has been a theme of, uh, of our life growing up. We watch mom and dad model that really well for us. I mean, my mom and dad were opening their home all the time to people just to come by. Anytime they wanted to come by, come by. They didn't mind interruptions. My dad at the office his door was always open. He had an open door policy. He'd come wow. in anytime and visit with me. This idea of, you know, I think it's, it's reminded in the scripture that Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really understand that. You know, sometimes as human beings, we kind of think, really? It's better to give than to receive? Yeah. But you find so much joy when you can be generous with yourself, with your time, yeah. your talents, your resources. Uh, my dad, I think he started telling me this when I was a teenager. He said, Trudy, if you'll help other people get what they want in life, you'll get what you want out of life. Oh, wow. And I think my dad was trying to help me understand, even as a teenager, because I was so focused on myself in those th- that season of life. You know, I think my dad was saying, look, man, you got you to gotta open up your eyes. You got you to gotta look at other people and see what their needs are mm. and see how you can come along and, and help them. Yeah. And if you can help them, you're going to find so much reward out of that. It's, it's not about you know me, myself, and I. Uh, for sure. But there's got to also be times either in y'all's family or in the company where it felt like to be generous would be too costly. (laughs) Well, sometimes you can think that, but you know, that's that's, that's not really what the biblical principles seem to indicate. Uh, In fact, we understand we've been blessed to be a blessing. And so I think from a world's perspective, they may see it's costly, um, but generosity, I think the rewards and the returns on that is, is, hard to count the cost really is worth it. Yeah. Do you still eat Chick-fil-A all the time? <laughs> I do. I, I don't say all the time. Yeah. For me, going to Chick-fil-A restaurants, like going to my mom's kitchen. It's kind of like, I don't feel like I'm really going out to yeah, eat. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Do people know who you are in Chick-fil-A's? Um, depends on if, if I'm in the local area, they yeah. will. But now that I'm married and uh, my last name's White, it's pretty easy for me to kind of walk in any Chick-fil-A store and kind of incognito they don't really know who I am and, and I love doing that anyway yeah but but I, I do eat Chick-fil-A no doubt I eat it I, now my favorite is chicken minis for breakfast oh, yeah. um, and I think you can't quite beat the chicken minis those are those are my favorite go-tos I was just with my son today and he was headed quickly to the airport and he grabbed him up a Chick-fil-A sandwich and it was just something looking at that Chick-fil-A sandwich I thought it's been a little while since I've had just a plain Chick-fil-A yeah. sandwich. I need to go back and do yeah. that. <laughs> I did it just last week. I was like, I think I'll have a number one. <laughs> I was yeah, like, there you go. I haven't done that in so long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the chicken nuggets and strips and all that, they're good stuff, but you can't you can't top the sandwich. And I always get it with extra pickles. That's right. I think it's great. You really were one of the pioneers to start wind-shaped camps, correct? Well, my mom and dad have to get all the credit for, for starting camps. They, that was back in 1984. My mom and dad were walking around up in North Georgia at Berry College campus and and had this idea that maybe they could launch a camp for young boys and girls. My mom and dad have always had a passion for young people and always wanted to invest in the next generation. Part of it's because of their background. My dad was never real connected with his with his own dad. Uh, he was practically raised by his his mother, uh, practically speaking. Mm. My mom never knew her earthly father. Oh, he walked wow. away when she was a baby in arms. And oh so gosh. she was totally raised uh, her entire life by a single mom. And so I think because the, they had challenges in their own home life as young children, um, my parents always thought to be able to help younger children would be a wonderful ministry. And so starting Windshape Camps was a big deal to be able to launch that. In 1985, we opened up a camp for boys. And then in 1987, um, 
for girls with the influence of my mom, she said, Hey, we gotta, we gotta have a camp for girls too, you know? Wow. So, but a, a big part of that came out of the fact that we went off to camp. My brothers and I went to camp when we were little growing up and my parents recognized the influence and the impact it had on our lives. So when they had an opportunity to, uh, to use the resources to provide a camp uh, starting here in Georgia. And yeah, it's been fun to be a part of it. I just love it. I've gotten to go three or four summers and be at um, the Cajeta Springs. And then I've been at the Barry campus a couple of times as well, doing Sunday Night Live. And what what is your favorite thing about camp? I mean, because you seem, every time I'm there, you're there just about. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I did grow up going to camp and absolutely loved it. I look back on it. I think, why did I love it so much? I went for 10 summers. Yeah. So, you know, starting from now, I was eight years old. So in my, every summer off at camp. One, I liked it because of the mountains. I went to North Carolina, Ridgecrest, North Carolina in that area, Black Mountain. And the Blue Ridge Mountains are just absolutely gorgeous. And so I I love the mountains. One of the reasons I ended up writing this this book was because I wanted to theme it around mountains. So I love camp because of the mountains. But the second part, I think, honestly, that I loved about it was it was a place I could kind of be on my own. I was always either the daughter of you know, Truett Kathy, or I was right. the sister of Dan and Bubba Kathy. Mm-hmm. And at camp, I was just Trudy. Yeah. And there was something about being just kind of being myself at camp was a lot of fun. Now, obviously, we had lots of skills that they offered. And I loved all of those, the swimming, the the archery, the riding horses. I got to do all of that as a little girl uh, growing up and got to do things I don't typically get to do mm-hmm. at, at home. I, I loved that I got to hung out, hang out with college students who were counselors. Oh gosh, I used to love Uh, that too. And they spent so much time with me. Um, They would just sit down with me outside our cabin and we would just chat and talk. And I loved that kind of time. And obviously people like yourself that would come into camp as guests to speak or or whatever was super challenging. So I really grew uh, in understanding my own identity and also just in my spiritual walk. It was just tremendous. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is, I was going to say, there's just so many parents listening. I wonder if you could kind of talk about why camp matters for kids. But I think you kind of did. But like, if you know, if someone's deciding, this is the time of year where people are deciding whether their kids are going to go to camp for this summer. What are some reasons you really think they should? Man, I, I think children need a break from their parents every once in a while. Right, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and parents need a break as well. Honestly, I'm kind of saying it tongue in cheek that when you can put your children into a, a safe environment, a healthy place where they can be uh, challenged in their spiritual walk and emotional stability and just even physical activity, mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful. So I think camps is a tremendous uh, investment for parents to make on their children. Plus, it gives the parents a little bit of a, a break uh, from the children. And it's an opportunity for the camp to come alongside and reinforce probably some of the principles and lessons that parents are trying to teach uh, teach their children in a kind of fun environment. I was drawn in my, in my walk with the Lord to treasure that relationship more through my camp experience because they taught me, you know, being a Christian can be lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, that God, God wants you to have an abundant life and live it to the fullest. And so to be able to spread your wings a little bit away from home, to be able to make some, your own decisions about maybe what you're going to eat and uh, and what skills you're going to take or whatever maybe is is 
makes you feel a sense of independence. It, it grows you up a lot. And uh, I just wholeheartedly believe in camp. That's why for 13 years I served as the director for Winshape Camps for Girls because I believe so much in the program because I saw what it did to me. Another beautiful thing you've done, and then I want to talk about your book because I want to make sure we have time for that. But a thing that I've watched you do for years, and you did it before I was watching, but is invest in the counselors and in the leaders. I mean, just kind of like spread out all across the nation, but particularly a handful of women that I know in Georgia are just like, they are so mentored and discipled by you that it's, I mean, you just have an incomparable mark on their life. Why did that matter so much to you? Why was that part of this for you as well? One, I I love developing others around me. I love challenging them to understand how they're wired and gifted. And I'm great with just trying to delegate and say, hey, you take this and run with it. Let me just coach you on the sidelines. I I just love doing that uh, to watch people flourish uh, in their in their giftedness is a joy is a joy for me. I'm inspired by the next generation coming up. And so I I enjoy just kind of hanging out with them. But I I feel like the the Lord maybe just, you know, uh, has given me maybe you call it a gift. I don't know. But just of encouragement. I, I love to encourage other people. And so I think sometimes we're all hungry for that. My, my dad used to say, you know, if you're breathing, you need encouragement. Yeah. So that takes care of just about all of us, you know. And, yeah, and that's so right. if I can come along some, beside somebody and, and encourage them, I, I find so much so much joy in that. I appreciate the fact that I've had the opportunity to work with so many uh, college students and young people. In fact, I had so many great conversations with college students that, that my husband and I, we began to think about I wonder if some of these college students need some help right between when they graduate from high school and head off to college between the ages of 18 and 20, because so many of them were coming to me and talking about, you know, I'm, I'm major in education, but I'm not even sure I really want to be a teacher. Yeah. And, and they're in their senior year of college. I'm thinking, what? You know, you're, you're not sure this is what you want to do. And uh, a lot of them are just kind of floundering around. And John and I started something called Impact 360 Institute, which is a, a program offered. It's kind of what we would classify really as a gap year program for young people yeah. to come and get grounded in their faith, understand who they are, let God transform their character and and equip them to be able to go out in the world and be influencers um, through the giftedness of the Holy Spirit. And so it's been a joy to, to me to connect with college students and work with young people. I've, I love every minute of it. Trudy, was there someone who was investing in your life when you were growing up that made you want to do that? Most definitely. There, there are a handful of people I can name, but specifically, uh, interestingly enough, her name is Johnny Armstrong, mm-hmm. and she was the camp director where I went to camp. She's wow. known me since I was about seven and a half, eight years old. She has invested in my life so much, not only while I was at camp, but afterwards. In fact, when I got invited to come on and be the director at Winchip Camps for Girls, I called her and I said, Miss Johnny, you won't believe it. I, I'm, I've been asked to be a director of camp. And that's what you've done for 40 something years. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, Trudy, you can totally do it. And we met every month building up to the summer that I was going to direct and she would help me. But I could list for you so many people who've invested in my life. I'm so, so grateful. Number one, of course, would be my mom and dad. Uh, but outside of that, I've had teachers. Um, I've had Bible study teachers, uh, teachers in high school, 
professors in college, different ones that have poured into my life. And I, I say, you know, they have shaped and molded me into the person that I am today. So I'm grateful to be able to do what those people have done in my life uh, to other people as well. It, it's just amazing to think because I'm sure none of your like Sunday school teachers or even the camp director envisioned that you would turn around and invest in as many people as you have, you know, like it's just the, the whole kingdom mindset that everything multiplies. Yeah, there you go. Well, I can tell you for sure, Ms. Robertson, my seventh grade science teacher, n- never figured I was going to amount to a whole lot. <laughs> so she, she would be shocked maybe at what's going on, but, but she was so patient with me. And uh, she had to get on to me all the time for talking in class out of turn in science class. So even, even teachers like that have been so patient with me through the years. They've, they've helped me learn a lot. Hey, just interrupting this conversation with Trudy to tell you about our sponsors, Samaritan Ministries and Lipscomb University. Healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries empowers Christians to change the culture of healthcare by directly helping one another with healthcare costs. Instead of sending money to a faceless organization for my healthcare provision, I send my money directly to another member to help them pay for their medical bills. I get to actually participate in meeting the financial element of that need. I get to pray for that person specifically, and I get to connect with them and speak truth and encouragement in the midst of it all, whether the need is a broken arm or pregnancy or cancer. Healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries takes the radical impact of the gospel and applies it to healthcare. You can find out more at SamaritanMinistries.org slash That Sounds Fun. At Lipscomb University, their online programs are shaped by a commitment to creating a better future. And with multiple undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs to choose from, you can define what that future looks like and earn the same academically rigorous degree you'd get on their campus, all with the flexibility to fit your life. We know you're ready to lead, so pursue your goals and a better world at Lipscomb Online. Visit lipscomb.edu backslash online to learn more. That's L-I-P-S-C-O-M-B dot E-D-U slash online. And now back to the show. So now you're an author. I mean, you'd already written a book, right? Before Climb Every Mountain. I feel like I have another one of yours. Yes, I, I have. My first book is called Along the Way. It's just short yes, little devotional. Right. I, uh, like, I feel like I have one by you already, Trudy. You're right. You're right. Okay. And so then this one, Climb Every Mountain, tell me why you decided to write it. This came right after a really dark season in my life. Um, Mom and dad passed away within 10 months of each other. Yeah. And then my husband was diagnosed with cancer. He had two bouts of cancer. And the season just looked pretty hard. And I found myself just thinking. How long ago was this? Four years ago. So not that long ago. And I was sort of having a pity party thinking about myself. I thought, man, does anybody else have to deal with heavy stuff like this? Mm -hmm. Like I'm having to deal with. And then I got to thinking, yeah, Trudy, just about everybody around, you know, they've got challenges that they're facing. And I thought, maybe I ought to share some of my personal stories of things that I've dealt with that felt like mountains that I've had to climb and what that has looked like. And so that was kind of the the beginning of these thoughts of this book that I would just share as a source to be able to encourage other people to realize that, you know, uh, we all go through challenges in life, but no matter what mountain we're trying to climb, we can be assured that God will be faithful every step of the journey because that's that's been my story. I mean, losing your parents only 10 months apart— even though you're an adult. Yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine what kind of conversations were you having with the Lord in that time where you lose your first parent and then it's not even a, you don't even get another year before you're walking through that again. 
Yeah, you know, loss is tough. Uh, I think loss comes in a lot of different packages. It, it sometimes is unexpected death. Sometimes it's just the unexpected news. Maybe the news like John got with of, of cancer that you know thought went to the doctor perfectly healthy, and then you get that that kind of news. Sometimes loss comes in the form of a broken relationship. Uh, sometimes marriages that have to split, divorce that happens. It's a it's a loss for everybody. And I think what was going through my mind in those seasons was just to realize the fact that, you know, I went back and I read in scripture where Jesus said, in this life, you will have trials, you will have tribulation, you will have, you will have troubles. And then if you go on down though, in that, in that same passage, then he goes on to say, but do not fear for I have overcome. And to me, what, what God was stirring in my heart at that time was reminding me that Trudy says, you know, this is a tough time. This is a loss that you're going through and grief is real, mm. but you don't have to walk this alone. Yeah. Uh, another passage in Isaiah talks about you, you walk through the rivers, but they won't overcome you. You walk through fire, but it won't burn you. And that's an incredible promise when you're facing loss of any kind. I've looked at mountains and I say, you know, these mountains remind me of who God is and how he is unchanging, uh, how he is steadfast. He is all powerful. He's majestic. Everything about the mountains just draws me to God. But at the same time, when I look at the mountains, they're, they're kind of a symbol of, of the life challenges that we have to face and deal with. So it's kind of nice to contrast those two and put them together yeah. and realize, hey, challenges are going to happen, but God's character is going to be faithful. You know, I grew up going up to North Georgia mountains all summer long, every summer. Uh, but my parents have a place up there, and it is... I feel so similar to you. When I drive from Nashville to North Georgia, once you cross over into the Blue Ridge Mountains, it's just like, yeah. oh, this, and I've always wondered, is it because we we have known them our whole lives that they're this special <laughs> or are they actually this special? Because they certainly feel, I mean, when you start seeing the way they roll, it moves me every time. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so beautiful. When you were writing this, how soon after that season did you start writing? Like, was this, was it almost healing to write through it? Or did you wait till you felt like you'd kind of process most of it and then started writing? I think I was probably about halfway through some of the process, but I, I, I wanted, I think it was part of my healing and part of my grief process mm. because I, I dedicated a few of the chapters in the book, several chapters to loss and the different loss and specifically about the loss of, of my parents. So there was some healing that went in, in writing that as well. I start the book out talking about identity and, you know, what that looks like to be able to discover and understand really who you are and whose you are in Christ. Because for myself, when I've gone through difficulty, I kind of go back to my roots a little bit and I have to remind myself uh, who I am. And that's really important. So the book has been a part of, of, of my journey of trying to process all that has happened over the last few years. And talk about John's cancer. I mean, y'all had to go, he had so much treatment and radiation. I mean, it was not a short process, right? It wasn't a relatively short, maybe compared to a lot of people. Um, we did six weeks of, of radiation treatment trips downtown to Atlanta, Monday through Friday, every day. I, did, I got to go with him every day, but, but two times. Yeah. And it was an amazing journey. We picked up a book and we read it every day going into Atlanta we, uh, that spoke into a walk of faith and how we need to trust God. And that was healing for us to do that every day. Would you day. just read it out loud to him? We did. I just He drove and I read out loud to him. And when we were in the waiting room, you start going and you begin to see the same people yeah, over and over yeah. in that same waiting room. And so when John would get called back, I would sit there by myself and 
I would pray for the people in the room, and occasionally I'd have a chance just to have conversations with um, one. I remember an older gentleman that sat down beside me. His wife was actually going through chemo, and he would talk to me about the difficulty that they were walking through. And just recently, I got a letter from him. His his wife passed away, oh, wow. and he reminded me of our conversations, and um, I actually gave him the our guest card to go have a Chick-fil-A yeah. sandwich on me and, and gave him one of my first books. And it's amazing just what that journey was like together. But I mean, we had to have car- hard conversations. We began to talk about, John paid all the bills for us. I said, John, I don't even know your password to get in your computer. Wow, <laughs> if, yeah. if something happened to you, you know, so we began to talk about those that were hard conversations to have, but we, we talked about, okay, what if the Lord, you know, were to take John at, at the end of this disease of cancer, you know, what would I be able to move forward really well? Yeah. And so we, we spent a lot of time talking about that, what that looked like and talking to our own children. Gosh, that sounds terrible. But it's tough. It's, it's yeah. tough, but it's reality, you know, and yeah. um, it's tough. But then again, at the same time, when you, when you have your hope grounded in Jesus Christ and who he is, the person who never changes in this world, that things are changing all the time to know that your hope is grounded in the person of Jesus Christ who never changes, man, that, that just makes it all, it takes a sting out of it just a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know how people walk through life without a sense of hope. Yeah. Oh gosh. I don't either. When I think for the people who don't have God to talk to, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I would be such a terrible person if I didn't have someone like him to bounce everything off of. That's right. That's right. For sure. Remind me how many kids y'all have, Trudy. So we have four children. Okay. They're all they're all grown and married. Our daughter has her 39th birthday today, oh, actually. Yay. Happy birthday and, uh, Yeah. All of our four children are in their 30s now. And we have 15 grandchildren. Oh, my gosh. That, that's a lot of little people to invest that's in. So they're many people. <laughs> so awesome. Oh my I had gosh. to start my own camp. We do Camp Meepaw here in the summertime. Oh, my gosh. Uh, do they, you really? Yeah. The grandchildren call me Mimi and they call uh, John uh, Papa. And so uh, since I've stepped out from hands-on work with Windshape Camps, yeah. I decided I need my own little camp, but we only do it for the weekend. <laughs> but we take care of all 15 of them for the whole weekend no together. No way. And, Oh my goodness, we plan every minute of the entire weekend. And I speak about it in my book. It's absolutely fantastic. We love it. We're exhausted when it's over with, but we absolutely love it. I mean, Trudy, you just don't quit. You just keep, <laughs> I mean, you're like a train that does not run out of tracks. Listen, who's who's talking to me? Look at what Annie Down does. Oh, well, Good <laughs> I mean, that is just amazing that you have all 15 of them for a weekend. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And we run it just like camp. We put them in cabins. You know, we, I, I email their parents and I say it's, Camp's registration is open. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as, as soon as they all register, then I tell them that registration is closed. Oh, Trudy, know? that's hysterical. <laughs> I tell them we're on a tight budget. We only have two staff members, but we are we are very well equipped. We've had plenty of um, experience with children. That's right. So. That's right. And do y'all do some of the activities from camp? Did you bring them with? We do because a lot of them are going to camp now. Uh, we do a spinoff from some of the things, sure. but we run it like camp in terms of, you know, they have, uh, some have to help in the kitchen and, yeah. you know, they have a certain place that they sit when they come to eat in the kitchen and we do lots of fun activities that they can um, oh, participate Trudy, in. I'm cracking up. It's, it's awesome. That it's is great. awesome. I love that so much that y'all do that. Late night movie on the lawn yeah. for the older ones, you know. So <laughs> After they've had their shower and they're in their pajamas. That's exactly right. <laughs> yep, I know. I know how camp works. Um, okay, so for our friends that are raising kids right now, and I just think, man, what, what I keep seeing, and, I, and listen, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got stuff going on and all the things. But 
But there does seem to be a real lineage of faith and of responsible people coming out of the Kathy family line. What are a couple of things that you've done when you were being raised and when you've been raising your kids that have kind of helped this healthy family continue? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, there. There's no perfect family because there are no perfect people. Right. So I would never want anybody to think, you know, we, we've got our challenges within our families. We've always had issues that we're trying to, to deal with. But I think when I go back to, to mother and dad's life, I, I see that um, they were very committed in their marriage. And that brought a real strength to our, our home life, uh, which was, was huge. Anything worth having is worth investing into. So they invested heavily into their marriage uh, to make it work. My mom was a tremendous support uh, to my dad. She'd get real frustrated because he worked long, long hours sometimes, but she wouldn't complain. She just would support him and encourage him along the way. And he was patient with her. So we, we had that good role modeling going on with us, you know, with our, from our parents' perspective. And then the fact that they loved the Lord and they modeled that really well for us. They always brought us back to Scripture uh, when there were challenges within our own home. And we prayed together as a family. My dad would even come home and talk about problems he was having at work. And sometimes to the point he would cry um, with us because he was sharing from his heart things that had disappointed him. And we would gather around him and pray together. So we were grounded uh, in that really well and made a, made a lot of difference. And I think for my perspective in raising children, I know that raising four children, they're very close in age. It was always a challenge. We were missionaries for a portion of the time. Oh, wow. We were in Brazil. And two of our children were born there. So we, we had a lot of challenging. The culture that we were in was different. But, and I'd be so frustrated because I think, oh, my, my children, I just don't think they're listening to me. I would say things over and over yeah. and over and over again. But then I realized that maybe the most important thing is to remember that they're watching me. And um, they may not be listening, but, but, but they're watching. And I know that that's what we did with our parents. We were always watching. And so being the very best example you can possibly be for your children, I think, is so important. Again, you're not going to be perfect as a parent, but when you fall short maybe of what you should be doing you can easily go back to your children and say hey i'm sorry and ask for forgiveness nothing wrong with a parent doing that my parents did it with us i've done it with our our own children and just to realize that maybe more than anything is to realize it's the little things that are really going to matter in life it's not the big things my parents taught us you know the important things of life you can't buy with dollars and cents Uh, people are always wanting joy and peace and hope and those things can't be found in any store you're going to have to look for those in a relationship with jesus christ and so little things really matter i'll tell you an interesting thing um annie that my dad asked me when i think i was a senior in high school and he said trudy what do you think you're going to remember about me that i've done for you you know these years in my dad's mind he was ready for me to say well it's that vacation you took me yeah. on or the clothes you helped me buy or you know the, the things that like that that he bought but I told him I said dad the one thing I will always remember that you did were those times when you would come home really tired late at night and I was in my bed still awake and you would come and sit on my bed and you would say Trudy you want to tell me about your day mm. and you would sit there and listen to me to tell you about my day at school and I will never forget my dad doing that with me. Yeah. Parents think you've got to do a, a lot of things or buy a lot of stuff. And it's not about that. It's the little things that are going to make the difference uh, in your home and in your home life. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm kind of thinking that same question with my parents. And I think, well, yeah, I mean, some of the trips were really cool and some of the things they've done. But man, just like 
the everydayness. Just tell him. The fact that I every time I call my dad, he answers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it just doesn't matter. There is nothing he's doing that's more important than when I call. Yeah. And and that's the kind of stuff that is like, okay, that's who I want to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well. You know, that is so, yeah. Okay, so when I was reading through Climb Every Mountain, I just feel like the way you tied in scripture everywhere really stood out to me. I mean, it just feels like your trudiness and your faith are so intertwined. <laughs> I guess my question around that is, you know, you're a generation ahead of me and or a couple of years ahead of me and yeah. How do I keep doing this that well? That I want to love the word in 10 years and 20 years. I, I mean, I want I want this to still be true about me when I'm a grandparent. Yeah. How have you stayed with this? Why haven't you given up on your faith? Oh, well, my faith has meant so much to me. And I think my mom has been a tremendous role model. My, my mom, because she didn't have an earthly father, she found out when she was five, she could have a heavenly father. And she fell so in love with the Lord that she helped us understand what it looked like to have a intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and walk with Him. And here's what I learned from my mom. My mom made her walk with the Lord a part of every minute of her day. When I would pick her up and drive her to doctor's appointments, she'd look out the window and she would say out loud, she'd say, Thank you, Father, for these beautiful, white, fluffy clouds you put in the sky for us to enjoy today. You know, she just talked to him like he was sitting in the car with us, you know. And sometimes I would look at her like, what? You know, I grew up with that. She would sing songs all the time, and she made her faith an integral part of of her life. And I'm so appreciative to Mom uh, that modeled that so well for me. And, you know, I, I find myself kind of falling into those same patterns, I guess, yeah. so to speak. Of. Now, I fall short lots of times, but just trying to keep keep God central in my life yeah. and to realize that that's what's important to me and not get distracted sometimes by um, things that come along in the world that want to attract our attention and could divert us maybe from being as connected as we need to be with the yeah. Lord. And, and God's Word is powerful. The promises that are there when, when I'm going through difficult times, oh my goodness, I, I just have to cling to, to His promises and cling to who He is. It's Lord, Lord, if this is who you are, I need you to show yourself to me in this situation now. You know, That is such a true prayer just to go, okay, Lord, I've heard. Yeah. I've heard you're like this. <laughs> right. Will you prove it yeah. in my life? I have a situation where, you know, I've read it in Scripture, or I saw you do this for someone else, or I've seen who you are for people in the Bible. Will you be that for me too? That's right. What's your daily, like, time with the Lord. I hate the word quiet time, Trudy. I know that doesn't surprise you about me, but I'm like, there is nothing I do that is quiet. But what what's your daily time with the Lord? What's that look like for you? Or it doesn't even have to be daily, but what's it look like for you to spend time with Him? I've got a chair that I go to. Um, it's actually in our, in our bedrooms. I've got a, a place uh, that I go to. Part of my plan, each year it's a little different. Uh, sometimes I will pick up a devotional book and use it as a guide. I love the ones that say day one, day two, yeah, day three. Yeah. It kind of keeps me uh, kind of on track and, and accountable. There'll be days that I'll, I'll miss that, uh, no doubt. Uh, but that's kind of what helps keep me kind of grounded. And then throughout the day, memorizing scripture. We're involved in a church right now that they're doing church-wide, trying to challenge all of us to memorize scripture. And I, I'm not that great at memorizing, uh, really. But I found that to be incredible uh, in, in the last probably six to eight months, working really hard to memorize scripture and saying it out loud. I've put scripture verses in my car. Uh, I've got a lot of time in the car that I can review those and stop to the stoplight. I can look at 
them really quick and go over them and making them a part. You know how sometimes you listen to a song and all of a sudden you're in the shower and you found yourself singing that yeah, song. You thought, yeah. you know, you thought, well, I heard that, I heard that song yesterday. That's why I'm kind of my mind. So I kind of feel like God's word can be that way. The more we, we feed ourselves with it, the more we bring it back up and, and it, it becomes a, a big part of our day. So that's, that's sort of some areas where I work on it in terms of growing in my walk with the Lord and, and knowing his word. The longer I do this, the more I see that the people I want to be like, like you, are are spending time with God on a pretty regular basis. You've got to do that. And, and sometimes it's a, uh, for me, when the weather gets nice and because I'm where our house is and we're in the country a little bit, I can get out and just kind of go for a walk, getting out in God's world yeah. and the beauty of it draws me to Him and we can have some really good conversations. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I am that way too. I almost feel like um, I'm a better Christian when the weather's better. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I, feel like I, I don't have as many conversations with them when I'm like, when it's too cold to get out of bed <laughs> and I'm like, I'll just see you in I'll just see you in April, Lord. Yeah, I just can't, that. I can't do this. <laughs> I'm not that's as awesome. good at this in the winter. I'm a great Christian in the summer when it's warm and it's light. And that's when I'm the best at this. Okay, Trudy. So we will make sure we'll link to it everywhere, but for people to read climb every mountain, it's available everywhere. It came out in February, correct? That's correct. Came out February the 12th is available in all your local bookstores. You can order it on uh, climb every mountain book.com. You can go there and see, where all you can get it. Of course, you can get it on Amazon.com for sure. And you did such a beautiful job. I love that at the end of each chapter, I mean, you're just always teaching us. At the end of each chapter, you're like, here's some questions that you need to know and be and live and with some lines for us to take notes. I think that's brilliant. Good. Yeah, I want to challenge people. I want, want this to be a book that, that engages them yeah. and uh, challenges them, cause them to look introspectively at their own life. You know. Yeah, I, I like setting your books. Kind of, I have a row of books that of, of women that I'm like, love going back to. And yours is one of those on that road. Like I think about Elizabeth Elliot. I think about you, Beth Moore. There's just some women that I'm like, yeah, when I need to just pull one off and, and give it a, another run, it's going to be on that shelf. So, so thank you for, for my copy. Okay. So the last question we always ask, because this show is called That Sounds Fun. Trudy, you got to tell me, what do you and John and the kids do for fun? What's fun for y'all? Fun for us is just hanging out a free day. Uh, we have a little pond in front of our house. We go down and do fishing in the spring and the summertime. So fishing is a lot of fun. Uh, laughter is a big part of our household. So um, a lot of times I'm kind of trying to come up with a, a corny joke yeah. that everybody can laugh, <laughs> laugh at. You know, that, that makes it fun. We enjoy swimming together. We, we love family things together. Our, our family, we do plan a family vacation and uh, go off and have a lot of fun together in that way, just doing activities yeah. together as a part of it. But investing in the lives of these grandchildren, uh, to me, there's nothing more fun than, than hanging out with them. They teach me so much. They're just awesome. I love seeing my friends' parents becoming grandparents Yeah, because it's so different than when they were raising my friends and I. You know, oh, yeah, for I'm sure. like, y'all are so much more fun. <laughs> That's like right. y'all play so much more. And the the rules are so much easier on your grandkids, on my friend's kids than it's you were true. when we were little. <laughs> it, it's true. For sure. It's a for different sure. responsibility, isn't it? That's exactly right. You don't have quite the responsibility. You just get to enjoy them and then pass them back off. To That's, the right. That's right. <laughs> hey, I kind of get to do that too. That's kind of yeah. my little spot too. I love it. I can play and be silly until the diapers are dirty. And then I hand them right back. My back. <laughs> so, well, 
Well, Trudy, thank you for being on the show today. I'm so grateful for you. You're such an important voice in my life, so I'm just really thankful. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you for giving me your time. appreciate it so very, very much. And thank you for your ministry, Annie. You are reaching the lives of so many people, and through your writings and your books, I enjoy them as well. I read them all, and uh, thank you for the investment that you make with your time to the lives of other people. Gracious, I love getting to talk to Trudy. She's just amazing. I'm just so honored to get to watch a woman like that living out what the gospel really looks like and what it looks like to do it for the rest of your life. And I just adore her. Make sure you grab a copy of her new book, Climb Every Mountain, and tell her thanks for being on the show. And I would like to know your favorite order at Chick-fil-A. So if you want to send that to me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know how to find me. I am Annie F. Downs, F as in fried chicken. Because listen, I know, I know, I know I should get a grilled one. But that number one, y'all, I cannot resist that number one. It's my very favorite. So Annie F. Downs all over the place if you need anything from me. If you get a chance to rate and review the show, that would mean the world. Thank you guys so much. I love getting to show up with you here a couple times every week. It is really, really fun. So I think that's it for me. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. You guys have a great weekend, and we will see you back here on Monday with David Crowder.